Hello, and welcome to Doing Time, where humans talk about their experience in a psych ward. Today we have guest Melissa B, otherwise known as Mel B. Hi. How are you? I'm great. You're good? I'm kind of tired, but I'm good. You're tired? (laughs) I'm good. Um, So we're going to talk about your experiences in a psych ward and things along that and some other topics, but first question, how much time have you done? 26 years. I feel no, I feel like it's been like twenty six years. Twenty six years. Um, technically. Yeah. But like I wanna say not that much. I I've been in hospitals for like maybe like four or five times. Okay. Four or five um, times. Um so not that much. Yeah. I know people who've been in hospitals like twenty times. Yeah. Like their whole life. But I say like twenty six years because I feel like I've been like trapped for 26 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like in your in my head. In your head. In my head for <laughs> 26 head. years. Yeah. yeah. You know. So. Yeah. And are you from Chicago? Yes. You're from Chicago. I am. Okay. So have you done? So you've done hospital stays in Chicago? Oh yeah. Okay. Um. And they're always really interesting. Yeah. Um. The last time I was in the hospital was in January. And I think that's I th- I really think that's going to be my last time in the hospital. Hell yeah, dude. Um and that Let, was like this last January. Yeah. So like almost a year. Uh, almost a year. Like probably like No, like a few months ago. Like yeah. like is that No, January. Oh, okay. January 2019. Okay. Yeah. So it was recent. It was yeah. recent. <laughs> um <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um but uh that was that was the most interesting experience I've ever had. The one you just had. Yeah. Okay. Um, just because I'm used to being in hospitals where it's all women, and oh, this really? was like the, the this hospital was like co-ed. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first came, I was like, "Can y'all transfer me?" <laughs> right, right, right. I don't, sure. I don't like this. Yeah. And then I like the staff. The staff was nicer, so I was like, okay, I'll just stay. But then I had, I didn't have like prop, like real problems, but mm-hmm. it was just like I was uncomfortable a lot. You know what I mean? With the, with the surround, with the situation surround. Yeah, for sure. And what was different? What are well? So do you wanna do you wanna share like what your experience was or how you ended up in one or like share whatever you feel comfortable with, but. Um, just to like give a little bit of background. I don't. I honestly don't. I guess you could say I had episodes. Okay. Um, but this last time that I was in a hospital, I did not have an episode. I tried to commit suicide. Okay, I'm sorry. So that's why I say I feel like that's the last time I'm in a hospital. For sure. Um, so I think. I don't. I, I I can't tell you. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like I I just end up there. Honestly. Yeah. I feel like I something will happen and I'm just in the hospital. I, that's how Is I it, feel. Well, because people have said that a lot of times when they're going through like a crisis, it's very yeah. blurry. They don't remember everything because yeah. your mind is. It's overstimulated, and so right. a lot of times when that happens, you can be. And especially if you go through. So I've been. I attempted suicide like two years ago yeah and when something like that happens you don't really remember vividly exactly what put you there because it's so like i you know you would think that something so important that you're gonna do would 
you know, you would remember it, yeah. but your mind is not in the right space. So you don't remember everything. Yeah. So you're saying, so then when you got there, what are some of the differences that you noticed between like all women's and co-ed? And then also like what brought you to each place each time? Cause for me it was different for like depression and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, well the difference between staying in a co-ed hospital and just like women's only, mm-hmm. Uh, women fight more. So when really? it's all women, yeah. it's just like, I don't know what it is, but it's just, it's a lot of drama. It's like a reality TV show. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I don't want to say I like it, but it, it keeps <laughs> me entertained. Of course. You know what I'm of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah. But I also feel like the staff at women's hospitals are not as friendly. I feel like mm. they're more aggressive. Um, is it is it co-ed staff at the women's hospital? Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's men. It's it's men and women staff too. Really? Well, it's men and women staff at the all women's hospital. Wow. But then, like the women's staff will be like, like pissed. Like they just get pissed about stuff. Like they yell at the patients and stuff like that too. Really? Yeah. But then at the co-ed hospital, uh-huh. um, people are just more calm for some yeah. reason. Well, yeah. At least for my stays, mine the coeds were very calm. Yeah. yeah. And I, w- I will say, well, I, I got I'm into like reality TV and I watch a lot of those like jail shows and stuff. Yeah. In the all women's facilities are even more well because women it's more passive aggressive and yeah. then the yelling and then men just beat each other up and then it's over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then with women it's <laughs> yeah. like it's this whole long dragged out thing. It'll it'll drag on till like the next day. And you'll be surprised that a lot of the people that are like staff at the women's hospital should be in the hospital. Yeah. Like they're not. If you're yelling at people who are oh, mentally yeah. ill, Definitely. you're also mentally ill. Definitely. Like, it's not okay. Yeah. But, so, you, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, like, it's so ironic, some of these things yeah. that you see. But did you, so, how were, this is, this, I just thought of this, but how are the the groups facilitated? Like, the, the group therapy is usually yeah. something you have at all women's hospital. Right. How is that different from co-ed? Um... I think I would say I would say it's better at co-ed. Well, at mm-hmm. the hospital I stayed at. Yeah. Just because um, I feel like people are more attentive. Mm. They want to be in there. At the all women's hospital, it was just kind of like you. If you want to get out, you have to go to a meeting so they could check off that you have been participating. It was just kind of like a thing that you had to do. But, like, at the co-ed hospital, it was kind of like, okay, I actually want to go. I have some Like, people would knock on the doors and be like, I want to be in the group. Like, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But also, like I said, the staff is friendlier. Like, I had, um, it wasn't a nurse. It, I forgot what it was called. It, it was kind of like a assistant yeah, nurse or right. whatever. And um, he came up to me and he talked to me. And he was just like, why are you here? Like, he just yeah. couldn't understand. Cause yeah. He, he, I guess he just looked at me and he was just like, I, don't, I just don't understand, like, like what's going on in, mm-hmm. on in your life and all this other stuff like that. And, yeah. like, he would just talk to me every day. At the okay. women's hospital, nobody really talked to me like that. It was just like. Mm. Get in and get out. Yeah. You probably felt more listened to at 
the at the one that was co-ed. yeah yeah i it's funny you say that because at the co the co all of mine have been co-ed even the one i was under 18 yeah and i was like 17 almost 18 and the one the groups that i went to people were so attached to them that like even if they got pulled out of a group to go see their psychiatrist they would be like oh what did i miss like it's like yeah everybody has this like big connection and bond Right. Even if it's, like, I did an outpatient program and people would be like that. And it's it's a connection and a bond because you're all, like, y- you feel, like, alone. And then when you come together, it's like, oh, well, everybody has this. And then you almost, like, get involved in other people's stories. So it sounds like the co-ed was, like, way more conducive to, like, treatment for you. Yeah. Than the all-women's one. And when you went for your last episode, that was a co-ed one, right? Yeah. Thank God. That yeah, was, that, yeah, that, that would suck. That was yeah, that was but that's what I'm saying. That was the most interesting one cuz like yeah. I had this guy come up to me. No, he actually sat next to me and he was he was really really cool. He used yeah. to tell me about his boyfriend that was like outside of the hospital yeah. and how he was going to pick him up and stuff like that. And he sat next to me and he was just like, "Um, can I ask you a personal question?" Cuz you know after a few days I think it was, like, after one day, they let you put on your regular clothes. Um, so right. I had these black jeans. <laughs> and he was like, um, is your butt real? <laughs> and I was like, why did you, why would you ask me that? Yeah. He, he was like, your legs are so tiny, <laughs> but your butt is so nice. And I just don't understand. Like, yeah. And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> It is. That is a personal question. Yeah, and then I had one of the one of the nurses' assistants come up to me. He was like, he was like, um, did one of the other nurses try to get your number? And I was like, no. And he was like, oh, I'm just making sure. I'm trying to protect you. And I was like, protect. <laughs> From so I was what? Like, yeah. So I was. So it was yeah. like. I had a good experience, but it was yeah. also like uncomfortable sometimes because oh, yeah. I know, I know that like some of those men aren't around women that much you know oh, what i mean oh yeah and like the women that do come in they don't play like they're oh. older yeah. they're like get the f off of me right. like i don't yeah well it sounds like none of them want to be there no and yeah that's a that's very <laughs> uncomfortable yeah. i mean i was at ones where like we were all young and like 18 and there'd be people yeah who would definitely flirt but i'm like how are you flirting with me like i look disgusting right like I, it, you wear i mean i talked to carly about this but like you wear they give you rubber bands for your hair like you're not allowed to wear like any real hair ties because yeah. of some regulation and you're in a very vulnerable place so like to be asked yeah. something like that they like that's not a personal question yeah. i would rather have somebody just ask me is your ass real than be like can i ask you like you probably thought you were about to have a deep moment yeah and then he asked you that i and you're was like, like <laughs> engaged and everything i was just like yeah what's you're like sitting down yeah. he was like he was like um is your ass real because your legs are really tiny and you're like okay i'm like damn is it a compliment or is it yeah like, right you don't know how to take i don't it. know how to take that in. i thought we were like going to get real deep but no, right exactly i don't know but yeah that was uh, that was probably my favorite experience though mm-hmm. um i'm actually trying to go back to that hospital to get because they have group therapy 
So I, is it like IOP, like intensive outpatient? What do you um, do? Or is it just like weekly? It's just weekly, like okay, group yeah. therapy, but then I have to get the therapist to sign off on it. So I Oh, have it's to, a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like a whole thing. So yeah. I called and I was like, I stayed at this hospital. Like you right. can't just, you know, look I have up my credentials. Records. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, well, we have to, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a whole process. And, and part of what people don't understand is that a lot of times, like the, some of the prevention from for people to not go in hospitals or to get help is yeah. because there's all these other layers like insurance, right. um, doctor's notes, all this stuff too. But especially also, with yeah. But also the thing is, is that like if you, I, I'm trying to get a new therapist now, mm-hmm. and like when I called my insurance and yeah. they just like transferred me over to somewhere else, and I called that number, they were like, uh, well this person is booked until December. I'm like, you know, anything oh. could happen. That mm-hmm. happens a lot. So I feel like that's a really lot. problematic. Oh, it's so problematic. So yeah. unless you have money and you could go to somebody and be like, hey, I need to see a therapist, then you aren't going to see anybody. Oh, it's awful. And people don't, well, yeah, and that's a, a huge thing to bring up because I would go, that happened to me. I ran out of my medicine. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I just don't think about it. And I called Walgreens and they're like, well, we're going to need, um, like your psychiatrist sign off on it. So I right. call my psychiatrist and you know, you never get a whole, people don't understand. It's not like you call them and they're like, hello, it's a front desk. And then that person goes to your psych. It's like a yeah. whole thing. And there's gatekeepers and they couldn't get my medicine. They're like, Oh, well she can't see you till like two weeks. And I was like, Oh, so I'll just like go off my meds for two weeks. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's like, they just don't understand that you have to live life Yeah. and that, you like there's this person in between you but you can't and then walgreens like legally cannot give you a prescription until sir yeah and i and i've said this before too where like people would just there were people who were suicidal and they would get kicked out of the group yeah because they or their insurance cut them off Mm -hmm. and it's like mental health should be obviously like a prioritization but it doesn't it doesn't come off that way when you're especially if you're trying to switch therapists as well no they don't care i feel like they don't care they uh, they will, like, send you to a psychiatrist before they send you to a therapist. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's a big problem because I don't like psychiatrists because I don't take medicine. Mm. And I always, like, my experience with psychiatrists, when I was younger, when I was, like, 18, 19, I went to a psychiatrist and I thought it was a therapist. So I started talking to her and I, about my problems. Yeah. And she was just like, um, I, I just give you medicine. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. But can you be a person for a minute to listen? It's like Like, they can't. It's just like, oh, we're going to put you on this for this many months and blah, blah, blah. And then you come back. You know what I'm saying? Oh, they'll know. They look at you like a piece of paper where it's like anxiety, Zoloft, depression, Cymbalta. Like they have they they match what you're they're they're a doctor. Right. But they but they should know what they're specializing in. They're specializing in people that when when you say housing your anxiety, people are going to go into a story. Right. And it's like when you especially when you say like you're going to see a psychiatrist and you're whatever they would all whenever I had to like have those gaps between like not having my medicine and getting it, I would go to a new person. They would like refer me to a new person. And then you have to like tell your story all over again. And you sit down and you're like, all right, so in 1996, I was born, right? <laughs> and then my childhood was fucked. Like, you just have to, like, go yeah. through this whole thing where, right. like, it's not conducive to anything. Because then then when you go back to your main psychiatrist, they're like, oh, so you saw this person. And then they have to put the pieces together. And it's, like, it's yeah. just a big mess. And I under- <clears throat> I definitely understand that people are booked. But yeah. the least they could do is, like, 
maybe have a thing where like they could just approve it and send it to because nobody's trying to abuse a mood stabilizer right do you know what i'm saying like yeah. i understand there's there's obviously like i'm sure you know there's controlled substances like adderall xanax people can abuse those but like i'm not trying to <laughs> abuse my antidepressant yeah. i want to be fine right i want to be okay like not even happy i just want to be like mellow yeah and it's hard it's it's yeah it's like there's a ton of loopholes and um I think there is I'm sure before you went into the hospital especially me there was like this conception of how everything worked and then it just gets turned upside down yeah when you go in everything Mm -hmm. and back to what you were saying I think um so I have anxiety depression and bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. um so that's a lot of medicine so I've tried to take Xanax um, I think the depression meds were like flu, not flucondas, all that something else, uh, fluoxetine or something like that, yeah. uh, Seroquel for bipolar disorder. So I take that to sleep. They wanted to, you to take that during the day. Yeah. So it was just like a lot. So it's like um, a horse trinkle. Yeah. <laughs> right. That. But that's what I'm saying. That's why I don't take medicine. It's an anti. No, it's an antipsychotic, which which it should help. If you're in a psychotic episode. Yeah. Because it makes you go to sleep. Like, of course you're going to be happy <laughs> right. if you're dead. Right. Of course. Right. But they don't understand that, like, if you're, like, I take it to go to sleep, but they're like, oh, no, we prescribe this for people daily. And I'm like, I can't, I would drool. Yeah. Like, I you can't, can't even function. No. I no, can't that's think. Aw- that's like, I go to awful. school. I'm trying to talk to people. And, like, you want me to take this medication? So I was just like, no, I'm not doing it. And you that. went to DePaul, correct? Yeah. And how long ago? Well, I go to DePaul now. Still? Mm-hmm. Graduate? Still grad school or undergrad? Grad school. Grad school. I went to school in Florida. Okay. Um. But during that time, I didn't I didn't stay in hospitals in Florida just because so it's, just Chicago. It, it's Florida. <laughs> so I was going to transition after talking about medication and stuff and the fun stuff about that yeah. to... The differences between um, being a black woman and going through mental health issues versus, like, me being Jewish, going through that, and kind of, like, how maybe your parents or your siblings or anything you want to talk about and speak to that experience versus, like, how you see it's um, maybe handled in other situations. Um, well, overall, I have two different sides because my dad's side of the family is Caribbean. Okay. Um, they're Caribbean and they're religious. Mm. Um, my mom is black, like black American, Mm -hmm. but we were never like really religious or anything like that. But, um, we definitely ignore mental health in our house on both sides. Both sides. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just feel like it's so... It's so many things I could... I feel like I have too many stories about, like, when I would try to come to one of my relatives and be like, I'm feeling this way, and they would be like, well, you have a roof over your head, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you have food in the house, I don't understand, you have two parents, you have a grandmother that loves you, you have the... You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, And then my dad, I would... I don't even think... I ever went to him for anything just because that's just not a thing. Like, Caribbean culture is just not 
we just don't talk. I don't even know how you would even talk about that. We didn't start talking about my mental health issues until I got older, until I was 18. Um, and then I finally told both of my parents that I really have a problem. Mm. Um, but I, I don't even know how I would talk. About, that's just not even a thing. Yeah. I know... Um, my on my dad's side my grandmother she didn't know anything about like mental illness or anything like that but like if we would cry or if we had some type of problem it was like you gotta pray or go to church with me or you know what I mean um when I was in college I went to a HBCU I remember I went to the nurse's office for something it, was, it wasn't the nurse's office. It was, like, a health clinic or something that mm-hmm. was on campus. And um, the woman had saw cuts on my arm, and she was like, what is that from? Like, do you do that to yourself? And I was like, yeah. She was like, well, <laughs> she said, well, you know, next time you're feeling that way, just yell out the blood of Jesus. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> What is it? Like, really? Like, what is that going to do? Yeah, be like, can you tell me how I do that? Yeah, what do like, you even mean? She, and then she starts going on the spiel of like, you know, you just need Jesus in your life. A nurse you, said this? Yeah. She was like, you just need Jesus in your life. You need God in your life and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, it's time for me to go. Like, I can't. <laughs> I can't do. I Thank know, you. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, I know that I'm not coming back here. Right. You know what I mean? So, um. Well, from that first interaction, you know not, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. At all. For sure. Um, so, I feel like just in general in the black community, we just don't talk about it. It's just now being talked about in yeah. 2019. Um, and even though you, it's talked about, do you think it's stigmatized? Because it's I think sti- it is. Yeah, it's still stigmatized because I still get uncomfortable talking about it with my mom or my dad just because it's like, I don't want anybody to think that I'm crazy or I can't function or Mm -hmm. it's something, you know what I mean? Of course. Um, Or like, this is going to hinder me from doing something great in the future. Or it's going to burden them. Right. Make them think of you differently as a person. Yeah. Because you have X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah. And like, when I was... um, in middle school, I think this had to be like the first time I started seeing a counselor. I was like in sixth grade because I had I wrote a letter in my class talking about how like I hated everybody oh. and I didn't want to be here and like the teacher took it to the guidance counselor and the guidance counselor called my mom and my mom when I got home my mom was just like they could take you away from me. Instead of, like, asking, like... Like, what's wrong? Yeah, like, what's going on? It was more so about, like, what am I doing wrong? Which I get it. As a parent, you're going to think, like, damn, I I failed as a mom. For sure. But, like, no, it's not like that. (laughs) It wasn't like that, you know? Yeah. I find that it's... um it's it's very internalized people internalize mental health like yeah. like your mom internalized it when you said you know you, sh- you said you hated everybody and she's like oh what did i do wrong yeah but it could just be something that you're going through and right. that's what a lot of times like when people see like you know some, sometimes it's hard to like sympathize with like if somebody's getting bullied at school the person who's bullying has it like they're doing it for a reason and mm-hmm. they have issues and i think that's something that mental in mental health like in, even in the community like it doesn't get asked enough like where it's just like 
oh, what did I do wrong as a friend? Or what did, yeah, and I'm sure you've experienced this with like, you know, attempting suicide is like a huge thing. And, and I did it. And it's, it's one of those things where like my friends were like, oh, what did I do wrong? And I'm like, no, it's me. It's not you. Like maybe instead of saying that, you could just ask like, what can I do? Or like, what right. do you need? And sometimes it's just being somebody to just listen. And when yeah. people provide a solution, sometimes I don't even want to like a solution. I'm just like, I just want you to like listen to like yeah. an event or whatever. Yeah, that I helps need. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I just think as a black woman, especially, we ignore it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because I feel like there's so many responsibilities put on us. Mm-hmm. In general, just, like, when you wake up in the morning, there's just, like, things that you have to handle for yourself. Like, you have to, I know for me, I have to mentally prepare myself to, like, go outside, go to school, go to work, go, you know what I mean? Have a conversation with somebody. Get get ready for someone to say something to me that might ruin my day. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's, like, it's so many things put on us yeah. and we're expected to be strong throughout oh, that. Yeah. And then now with social media um it's a good and a bad thing. It's yeah. kind of brought light to like mental illness in the black community, mm-hmm. but like also I feel like it can hinder us mm-hmm. as black women um just because you have Instagram and like all these expectations yeah, I was of just you say, more like, pressure yeah just so you're saying like you have first of all you have school and then you have work and then you have like responsibilities you have a boyfriend you have a life yeah and then you have being a black woman on top of that yeah and your mental health yeah which you have to take care of right and mm-hmm. dealing with people who like like you said literally will say something that's like i can't deal with this. yeah so it's so like, it's so, a lot it's a lot and then sometimes you just want to shut down like you yeah. just want to say fuck it like and how much of like your anxiety would you say like is contrib like is not a result of like oh it's my biological makeup and what i'm going through but as a result of like oh it's my environment and being around people who say these things and you know might make me feel like shit like does that factor into like your anxiety because i feel like that would if you have a lot of expectations probably like 75 percent of that's the time <laughs> that's Probably. like all <laughs> yeah so yeah. i i um that has like made me a homebody that's mm-hmm. made me somebody who does not want to go out because i'm just like i feel like if i go here and i do this thing it's gonna put me in a headspace where i don't even want to talk to anybody like yeah. friends family anybody like i just want to go back home right um so yeah, even being around my family, mm-hmm. uh, it can be very, very draining sometimes. I love my family to death, but this they, is being recorded. They, no, just yeah. <laughs> I love y'all, but um, <laughs> I love them to death. But sometimes they don't understand that the things that they say can affect you. Yeah. In so many ways. Also, probably more than an average person would, because they mean right. a lot to you. Right. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. So it's like that. That in itself is yeah. just like, damn. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For sure. And yeah. well, because a lot of the anxiety that gets contributed. Because I think about like I have anxiety about all the responsibilities I have, but yeah. I don't. 
to what you're saying is like you have like this extra thing about you that's like making you anxious and it's just that can definitely contribute to like mental health issues and well and and it's also like you're constantly as a person with anxiety also without anxiety you're constantly worried about what other people are thinking of you and saying about you and then when you have the thing of like oh i'm this i identify as whatever you're like you're almost like vulnerable to comments and like what people are going to say all the right, time. And right. then that makes your anxiety go up because then you're like, well, not only do be- people say these things, but then I have to fit what the mold of like what they're expecting yeah. or what their standard is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and the thing about that is that like when you're when I <laughs> even now like when people talk about me or say something about me mm-hmm. and I'll go to a family member about it. It's like don't worry about what people have to say. Why do you care? Like that, like fuck them, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you don't understand. Like that one thing that somebody says, I will go home and I'll sleep on that at night. And then it'll just like replay in my head over and over. Or that one thing that you said, like wrong or like weird. I've done so many things. Yeah. (laughs) Or I've said like weird things. And I'm like, oh God. Like I'm like, I'm like, I cannot believe I said that. Or like didn't justify whatever it is. Oh, I do that so much. Like Mm -hmm. I'll. Like, I, I can't look at videos of myself, like, playing back or anything, because I'll just be like, no, why did I why did I make that face? Yeah. Like, why did I, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listening to my comedy sets, yeah. I'm like, why did I even record this? Yeah. Why did I even do this in the yeah, first no, place? Yeah, that's yeah. my life. That's mm-hmm. my life. Yeah, it sounds exhausting. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess that's why you said you were probably tired. Of yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just tired from being me. Um, yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. And especially, I'm surprised it's not talked about a little more because yeah. of all the expectations that you have, especially as somebody, as a black woman, along with having mental health issues, yeah. which is like, you know, it's it's a burden in itself. Yeah. And um, so how did, how did, did you feel different? Like, what was the, what was the demographic like when you were at the psych wards? Like, were you the only black person or were you with a lot of black? Like, how did no, that work? It was, it was uh, mostly majority black and Latina. Okay. Um, so in that aspect, I was comfortable. Good. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it made a difference. I feel like that's one place when you're, in a psych ward, that's one place where race doesn't even matter. Okay, yeah. <laughs> because they all look at you like the nurses, the doctors, they just look at you the same. Like, right, they're like, you're crazy regardless yeah, of your race. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, I, me personally, being somebody who is aware of my issues and my traumas and my illness, like, I have to bring it to them. Like, when I talk to doctors or, like, when I talk to the therapist or when I'm in the group, I have to bring it to them, like, as a black woman, I feel this way because of this. You know what I'm saying? And oh, they don't yeah. get to dismiss that anymore. You right. know? Um, yeah. So that's, that's... That's really interesting. Yeah, that's the and thing. And do you find yourself saying that, like, in therapy sessions when they might... When you feel like they might not be understanding you fully? Like, you're like, oh, this is the way I feel because of... Like, like if the therapist experienced it, it wouldn't be... They wouldn't have x reaction because they're white or whatever yeah you have a different reaction because you're in a different environment right different people so you find yourself bringing that up more when you're in therapy sessions and kind of like how you react to certain things all the time yeah all the time especially if the therapist is white my last therapist that i had um 
just outside of the hospital. Mm -hmm. She was white. And there was, like, a lot of things that I had to try to, like, break down to her. You're like her therapist. Yeah, like, that she was just like, well, have you tried to? I said, I've tried everything. It's not... It's not that easy. I'm here, bitch. Yeah, Yeah, like, you trying to tell me something that I've tried already. Like, I can't try your way anymore. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, like, examples? Or, like, can you think of anything that would be, like, different? Body image issues. Mm. So, I, like, struggle. What the... Like I said, the last therapist that I had, she felt like I had body dysmorphia disorder. And I kind of... I kind of agree... Mm-hmm. But I feel like at this point in my life, I don't. Yeah. Um, but I possibly could. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know anything. Yeah. But um, she was just like, well, you know, if you look at women in the magazines, they look just like you. You should be happy. You look great. You look fit. You know, doctor, because it was connected to my doctor's office. You know, doc, I won't say his name, but <laughs> doctor such and such, <laughs> you know, says you're you're healthy and you're good. I said, listen, I understand that, like, from a Eurocentric aspect, right. you feel like I have a great body. And I, right. I, I understand that. Right. But I don't. I, I don't feel that way. Right. And then she would ask why. And I'm just like. I just told you why. Like, I would go over the yeah. timeline of, like, like listen, like. That's not even something a therapist should say, though, I know. Is that you I'm look th- in the magazines and you look like them. Now yeah. you feel like you have to not only, like, be like, oh, I do, but then I, but then also, like, keep meeting that. Where, like, yeah. oh, I had to eat healthy because I have to fit this weight or whatever. But that was the thing. Yeah. I didn't want to look like them, though. So it's like mm. she made it worse for me because I was just like, I don't. I was like, I don't want to look like Kate Moss or one of those skinny girls. Like, I want to be like Nicki Minaj. I'm trying to, I want to be thick. Like, well, as a white know, person, she's not going to Yeah, I was like, do that. you know what thick yeah. is? Like, <laughs> like, what? Wait, how do you spell it? Yeah, yeah she was no. like, and then she started getting on nutrition. She, I was just like, no, like, I eat fine. Like, yeah. No. You don't gotta talk to me about that. I want, I want yeah. boobs and a butt right. and like, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And she just did not get well, it. Well, because she's white, first yeah. of all. I mean, she's not. She's like looking at you like, I wish I had your body. Yeah. Also, going back to what you said, where you was like, my mom looked at herself as a failure and never asked me like what was going on. Yeah. When somebody says I don't like my body and they're fit or whatever she was claiming you to be, she should ask. Not why don't you feel like that, but, like, what's going on that's making you feel like that? Right. What's, what are you having to, like, I had an eating disorder, and it was, like, I had to control everything. I was, like, I felt like my life was out of control, so food was the only way that I can control it. By, yeah. like, eating what I want, whatever I did. Yeah. But, like, she should have asked, like, what is contributing to the way you feel? Not why do you feel this way, but, like, wh- why are you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. why do you feel this way in a sense of... I don't, it's hard to like verbalize, but like what's underlying the issue is kind of what I'm trying to get. Yeah, at. yeah. Yeah. Like, like let's break down these layers. Exactly. Don't Versus just... like, why don't you feel like you're skinny? It's yeah. like, well, I'm not going to look at a number and feel like, of course it's a number, but to me it's much more than that. It's, yeah. it's societal expectations, yeah. especially like being a white person. She's not being a white person. You want to look like this being a black person. You might want to be more thick. Like yeah. that's just how it is but she might not understand that because no she yeah she didn't at all of course i mean for sure saying in magazines it's like well i clearly she's looking at magazines yeah. <laughs> like in magazines you just you really ruined my day like 
<laughs> exactly. Damn. <laughs> she just really fucked it up for me. <laughs> okay, so we kind of touched on this a little bit, but I kind of want to just talk about, you said your dad's side of the family was Caribbean, mental mm -hmm. health, not a thing. Your mom's side, not religious, but still not as open, but would be open to it now because you've come come out, I guess, yeah. to them with your problems, which yeah. might even be, like, a thing. Yeah. You know? But in terms of, like, people, you know, families that aren't comfortable sharing mental health yeah. issues. But my question was, like, and we can talk back and forth about this, but, like, how religion has factored in to your experience with mental health, my experience with mental health, just things along that sort. Um, kind of how you grew up and stuff like that. I think, well, like I said, I really was not religious like that. Mm -hmm. I always dealt with trying to cope with mental illness through other people who were religious wow. like my grandmother she i was really lucky to have a grandmother on my mom's side who was not a religious person like she was just like whatever you believe in believe in that like i'm not gonna force you to to go to church and do all of this and like, like she had her own beliefs you know what i mean but like i always dealt with other religious people on the outside trying to give me advice and tell me like you know, you should pray and, like, like, come to Christ and, like, just stuff like that. Um, but it was kind of like a shield over the problems, yep. you know. And I think I found myself after a while trying to go to church mm -hmm. um, just to maybe, like, find a way to cope with it yeah and it was just like no this isn't gonna work right you know what i mean i feel like if i were to go to church or any religion it would have to be from a space that was not like broken or like trying to find myself or figure myself out i, I would need to go in a clear headspace like like mm -hmm. now where i'm at now in my life right so um definitely it's definitely a shield to like well some to, mask to yeah, yeah yeah to just like get you to to not even talk about it right it's just it's it's pray for for good but don't address what's going on right and it's not it, and you're not it's never gonna yeah. really happen if you have if you have a mental illness there's nothing religion can help because like when i was in a psych ward there would people there was like Bible studies almost, which I never participated in, but there was like um, there was like a pastor who I think came to visit one of the people, yeah. and I I I didn't grow up religious. Um, I grew up like Reform, which is a like denomination of Judaism. But um, I that guy, you know, the pastor like came in and talked to him, and they like prayed and stuff like that. That can help if you're in like a really bad state in terms yeah. of like you know you're in a hospital. Praying is probably the only thing you could do. I was gonna start praying. That's yeah. how bad my experience was. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, it's it's something that like like you said, it's it's definitely a mask, and then you're not yeah. addressing the underlying issues. And then mental illness is such a like, it's not something that you know, it's not praying is not going to address your childhood or whatever trauma yeah. that you're going through. It's not. It's really not. Uh, and people don't. People do not understand that. Yeah. And I think I'm glad that um, this last experience from me being in the hospital, it kind of, it, it gave me the opportunity to let everything out to my mm. parents and tell them, like, everything that happened to me when I was a child. Because I experienced childhood trauma. Mm. So, um, 
it started making sense. Everything started making sense to my family. So my mom didn't, wow. she wasn't, she wasn't like, you need to pray or you need to like anything like that. It was just like, this was the problem. This, this was a part of the problem. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, and I appreciate that aspect of it. But there are still people who, after I kind of addressed that issue, now that they were just like, you know, um, you just have to put it in God's hands. And I'm just like, that's nice and everything, <laughs> but, like, I, I I still have to deal with it. Right, you know it's what I'm the day-to-day. -day. Yeah, like, right. I still have to deal with it. Like, I, there's still... Like I still have flashbacks. I said, like I can't, I can't just be like, all right, let me it's just pray this away. Like you know what I'm saying? Like and as me, I'm not a religious person, but I'm a spiritual person. Yeah. So for me, I do pray. Yeah. And I pray often. Mm -hmm. and this is something people probably wouldn't even think that mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. Um, but I think that. That's something that is personal that you have to like do for yourself. You shouldn't. Right. Nobody else should come to you and be like, "You need to pray because you have these mental issues," and then it's gonna go away. Right. Yeah. I had a woman. I won't even say who it was because the person is kind of close to me, but a woman. Um, <laughs> before I literally before I got into the hospital, she she put olive oil on my head <laughs> she she put olive oil on my head and she said jesus please expel melissa from this bipolar disorder i'm not even playing with you she did that shit and after that i was just like this is this is really some fuckery like <laughs> like you you really think this is really going to help it was right before i went into the hospital expel yeah like from school like what does that even mean <laughs> take it away who says that dude? jesus was gone she whatever olive oil she was going she was using i hope it, it was, was organic it was <laughs> it was blessed and she put it on my forehead and she said it was blessed she asked jesus to expel this bipolar disorder for me and i said ma'am the fact that well, it's 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 like funny to obviously like rekindle it, but yeah. but it's one of those things where like you as a person with mental illness, especially you said as a black woman, it is harder to experience mental illness yeah. because of being stigmatized, and you feel defeated already, and then to hear somebody say to you like like expel it's like this is not something that i like it's right. not like a mosquito bite that's gonna go right. away like yeah. it's something that i deal with every day and it's crazy because there are religious people i'm i'm gonna point out in christianity mm -hmm. there are people who feel like if you are have suffer from mental illness there's some type of evil in you Literally. demons thing yeah yeah like there's like demons or something in you and i'm just like what the fuck is this like yeah. how do you how do you get how do you get something that happens in my head from like demons like right. that's a whole nother thing that that is not has nothing to do with mental illness but even if you did label it as that it's not gonna go away like it yeah. doesn't it still affects you and there are coping mechanisms that you can use but it's it's such a when you hear the word demon it's such a negative word yeah. and it has such a negative connotation that you're like well clear like now i feel even worse it's yeah. all these things like you're gonna expel it and then you're like 
well, how am I supposed to come to terms with that I have a mental illness and I'm going to deal with this for the rest of my life? Inter- like, you know, at yeah. a stable pace. Right. Without say, I have demons. No, you don't. Yeah. No, it's not These demons. I, people put it on Facebook all the time. Like, these demons are defeating me. No, you need therapy. Yeah. Okay. Like, if I you, have a number. <laughs> like, right. Like, my thing is like, okay, if you're religious, like, acknowledge your religion but acknowledge your mental illness and then combine the two maybe not too much right but like figure out a way to do it in a healthy way dude i cannot imagine because my family was really supportive growing up with mental health because like all jews have anxiety like it's like and i think Having that support made me feel so much better. I think I would have tried to kill, honestly, would have tried to kill myself a lot earlier if I didn't have the support yeah. that I needed in the beginning because my, my parents were supportive about depression and supportive about anxiety. They knew people. And even in the community, like Jew, the stereotype about Jews being doctors helps the stigma because if there's like a Jewish person that's a psychiatrist, it's like, oh, I'll just refer you to my friend. Like, yeah. it's in the community, so it's, like, it's less stigmatized. It's like, oh, I'll yeah. just send you to my friend or whatever. Yeah, yeah, So, like, yeah. it's way different in terms of, like, we never, at least that I know of, we never, and I grew up going to temple. I don't go anymore, but I grew up going to temple and stuff, and they never said anything about demons or anything. They just said, you know, if, it's literally kind of the thing where it's, like, I know a guy. Like, yeah. it's never, like, it's never, <laughs> yeah. like, you have this and you have to pray. It's, it's more just, like, Deal with this, and then maybe pray to God that it gets better. It's yeah. more like you said, like, it should be separate. Yeah. But it's not like, oh, it's your fault. And that's the thing where, like, people don't understand that the whole, like, mental illness isn't your fault. Like, that's what people need to realize is that, like, it's not your fault. Yes, you may be able to control it once you realize you have it and go down that whole path. But, like, yeah. it's not something that, like, you should be, like, literally demonized Exactly. For. And that's what people do. But I think you... You mentioned something really interesting. Um, there aren't a lot of known, well, I won't say there aren't a lot of, like, black psychiatrists or psychologists. Yeah. I'm sure there are, but right. when you grow up in a certain neighborhood or you grow up a certain way, you don't have those resources to be yep. like, hey, like, I know someone you could go to. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And on top of the fact that, like, it's stigmatized, it's like, I don't want you. I tried to when I tried to get on Prozac mm-hmm. when I was 18. I turned 18 and I went to the school nurse. I was still in high school, and I was like, okay, I'm ready to get on some antidepressants. And um, no, it was actually a week before I turned 18 because they had to call my dad, and um, it turned into this whole big thing. And my family, my my ex-boyfriend's mom at the time was just like, they want you to be drugged up. They want you to be like this. They want you to, uh, to act this way. And I was just like, you're not helping. And your son right. definitely isn't helping. So what right. do y'all want me to do? Like, right. you know what I mean? Well, at some point you have to do it for yourself. Yeah, exactly. At some point you're going to start. It's that thing where it's like you literally cannot care about what anybody else thinks exactly. because if the antidepressants are going to help you and they're going to say oh we want her to be like fuck them you yeah. know what i'm saying like let them think you're crazy if yeah. you're happy then that's all that i matters. ended up i ended up not even taking them i think i went on a whole different after that whole thing happened i literally went on a whole different unhealthy it, you were path. so you were in you were in high school yeah I was and you high had what, i was i was just about to graduate 
Oh wow! So you went anxiety and depression. Yeah. And when did you? When did your like? When did you have your first episode? College? Yeah, I don't know. I I can't tell you because I didn't. I no one acknowledged or like mentioned when once I graduated high school mm-hmm. and I finally went to a doctor, like a, a actual like therapist and psychologist. Mm-hmm. That's when they were like. You have bipolar disorder. Oh, wow. You know, so I had to graduate. I could have had an episode when I was a child, and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't yeah. have known. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't I, – I really don't know. Yeah. And like I said, it just happens for right. me. Right, right. Um, well, you're also you're, – you know, you're, you can be unaware of it. Yeah. Or, like, I – I talked to Derek on the last episode and he was talking about his bipolar and he's like, I didn't know, like, I was having an episode. I just thought, he, you know, he said he was paranoid a lot. So he's like, I was just paranoid. And the only time that I realized I had bipolar was this instance yeah. that happened and I gained clarity, whatever. But, like, yeah. that's especially, like, being ignored just in general and yeah. then, like, finding out that you have something that's, yeah. like, very... Was it relieving for you or were you, like more angry that you didn't know earlier no I was relieved because (laughs) because I was just like okay so this is what this is like Mm. finally I can now I can fix myself that's what I kept on thinking I was like now that I know what's wrong with me I can fix myself but what I did not realize was that that was only a part of my problem I still Mm -hmm. didn't I didn't really address my childhood trauma until this year so that's how you know what I mean after your hospital stay you think uh, no it was like before, before? I like okay. it was I, because I tried to kill myself I wanted to let it all out and yeah. it didn't work <laughs> so but it didn't work so then it kind of backfired on me that like okay now everybody knows the secret right so <laughs> I'm gonna have to live with, with everybody it. knowing who mm-hmm. did it and like how I you know what I mean? Hoped and whatever yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. Right, but sure. it, it felt good. Like, I feel better now. I could talk yeah. about it. I don't have to um, keep it in. I don't have to keep it in or any of so, that. So, well, because a lot of the things that people with mental illness, especially myself, live with is things that you're, you know, are embarrassed about or things that you're going through. Like, a huge thing that I deal with is, like, feeling lonely. But that's, you know, main symptom of depression. Yeah. But I think that once you're... Did you, like, what I'm trying to say is, like, once you relieved it or said it, even though, like, you try, you know, you attempted suicide and you, you did these things that were self-destructive, did you feel almost like your mental illness got a little better once you, like, said it and kind of got it out in the open? Um, back then, no. Okay. I don't think so. I think, I think I still knew what was wrong with me. Okay. I knew what was wrong with me and I knew, okay, I could fix it. Mm-hmm. With medicine, that's what I kept on telling myself. I was like, medicine is going to help me. Yeah. Um, But then, like, I went on this path of, like, drinking and, like, okay. doing drugs and, like, just be- living, like, a really unhealthy lifestyle yeah. that I was just trying to just mask it. Um, And I stopped taking medicine because of – because I was drinking. Right. And you can't drink on medicine. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, this is going to be my medicine. Right. Oh, you masked it and, yeah. and, and, and tried to 
Yeah, and it's it's always, oh, the medicine will help me. Oh, this therapist will help me. Oh, yeah. this person. Nothing is going to help you until you say the thing yeah. that you need to say. Exactly. And, yeah. And then when I finally did that, I was like, this is what I needed. Like, yeah. this is what I really needed in my life. Um, I think another thing that helped me deal with my mental illness and just deal uh, – just everything when I was 21 I moved to Florida moved to Orlando I didn't know what I was gonna do with my life at that point because I had like left a community college and I just moved down there with my uncle and I was just like whatever I'm gonna do some Florida shit I don't know (laughs) and I ended up getting into like three colleges um I chose uh FAMU which is a HBCU, uh, and I think even though I had that bad nurse there that did not help me and told me to call to the blood of Jesus, I think I think was this it, a campus health? Yeah, th- this was like a campus health center, and she did that shit. But um, I think moving away from home actually helped me because mm-hmm. it, it helped me put things into perspective. Right. Um, and it kind of gets you out of your normal yeah. like, habitat. So then you 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 look at it and you're like, okay, I was like this because I was in this environment. And once I took myself out of this environment, now I could look back and see what the problems were in that environment. Right, right. And I got time to just be myself and be by myself and, like, be who I really was. That's amazing. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. I, I felt that environment helped me when I moved from with my mom from the suburbs to the city mm-hmm. and my eating disorder was like really bad when I was in the suburbs because I had nothing to do so the only thing I had to look forward to was like when I could eat starve myself when I could eat and then once I moved to the city I was like oh I have so much to do I'm not even gonna even think about my routine and whatever I was doing yeah so yeah, yeah. environment d- definitely helps a lot definitely so yeah all right are we good yeah I mean I'm ready to stop. Oh, cool. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for coming yeah, on the fine. podcast. And Melissa is an amazing graphic designer. She designed the logo. It'll be up here probably. <laughs> and um, yeah, do you want to, your Instagram, anything you want to plug? Just my Instagram. I don't really have much. Um, <laughs> it's the tech babe. Just spell it how you hear it. Okay. It's we'll put that up. The tech babe. <laughs> Okay, thank you for watching Doing Time.